You are listening to Revision, a podcast about church health and growth. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith, Director of Church Health Strategy at Texas Baptist. Join us as we discuss church growth, explore examples of healthy churches, and I share inspirational stories from years of ministry around the great state of Texas. Welcome to Revision. This is Jonathan Smith, Director of Church Health Strategy for Texas Baptist, the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And this show today is brought to you by the Center of Church Health at the Baptist General Convention of Texas. You can find our website at txb.org. And I am honored today to be with a pastor and a friend, Josh McDonald, who is the senior pastor of Arcadia First Baptist Church. Josh, welcome to Revision. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Man, it's good to have you. I appreciate your friendship and all the work we've been doing together, Texas Baptist and you and, and just your church. But there's a few things that I think folks out there need to know about Josh McDonald. Josh is one of the most interesting guys that I know for a few different reasons. Um, he's an excellent pastor, but you are an ice cream connoisseur. I am. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, by saying connoisseur, I mean that... It seems to me like almost every day on social media, I'm seeing that you have posted a picture of a new half gallon of ice cream, but you're not eating an entire half gallon every day, right? Because you're a pretty thin bloke. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I work out so I can eat ice cream. Is that That's the reason you work out? That's the reason it's not I for work your heart or anything. It's for ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me about your family and the whole ice cream. Is it an addiction? What's the deal? So a number of years ago, we decided to tour Texas, including barbecue tours, courthouse tours, which is weird, but... We decided in January, after visiting Brenham, the home of Bluebell, to right. try every Bluebell flavor for 2020. Oh, my goodness. And There's so about okay. 50 of them, yeah. Yeah. So, but you have a top three. I do, yes. I mean, was it hard? I asked you to narrow it down to three. Is that Was that a difficult Very thing? Very hard. Okay. I spent an hour thinking about this. <laughs> uh, but my top three are, for this year, I would say, and the, the top three is something I went back to. So, strawberry cheesecake, I went back to that one. We had mm. two half gallons. And okay. then number two. One and two are probably tied. I'd say chocolate sheet cake, which is new this year. Chocolate sheet cake. Yes, okay. it is phenomenal. That's 2021 new. 2021 new. Okay. Brand new, hot off the press. I mean, you got your normals, cookies and cream and should, vanilla. Should I be calling Bluebell for like advertising money right you now? You should. I'm thinking I should. Okay, so, they but, can but then what's the big, what's what's the number one then? What's yeah, the best one? one? It sounds weird. I don't like king cake, but I love king cake ice cream. There's a king cake ice cream. There is, and it's phenomenal. So the other day I called you, and you were super excited because... You were actually on the way to the grocery store because you somehow you knew that a new flavor was going to be released. How do you even know that? <laughs> I did. So you get an email. Or, I, I checked. Did you call them or what's I, the deal? I follow Bluebell on Instagram. They announced it at like Is that the noon. Okay. Yeah, so that makes sense. I drove to a local grocery store, went in. They just happened to be placing it into the <laughs> freezer. I grab it out of the guy's hands, milk and cookies, and and it's probably one of the top two. It's definitely top three. And and uh, the guy was, I was the only one in line. That's so. like a Santa Claus, something you leave out for Santa Claus, I guess. Leave them out. <laughs> yeah, it's the summertime Santa Claus, milk and cookies. Now you mentioned cream. in passing, however, also that um, you traveled a lot. And you mentioned courthouses in Texas. Tell us what the deal is with that. <laughs> yeah, so we decided as a family to go visit every single county in Texas, two hundred fifty four. We see the courthouse. We get a picture of it. Bro, the, this is a big state. I travel this. It's a big state. So it's this a is big a big state. commitment. I mean, you're spending <laughs> lots huge. of money. Lots of money. Lots I need of to gas give money. You like a, uh, a Southwest Airlines gift card or something. 
right. It's pretty uh, pretty nerdy, but we go check out the courses. I get to meet the judge. We tour the courthouse. <laughs> you really meet the judge? Yeah, yeah, we meet the judge. And we go to every county. We try barbecue, ice cream, of course, and <laughs> of course. any like natural highlights like state parks or whatever. And our kids learned a lot of history. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and you have, what, a few kids, right? We do. We have three kids. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, but one of your church members did something <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. We have an artist in our church. He uh, watercolors. He draws. He actually hand drew with a pencil every single courthouse in Texas. I have him in a binder in my I've office. I've seen it. Yeah. You open it up, and I mean, and it's in immaculate detail. That's just crazy. So <laughs> yeah. do you have a favorite? courthouse i do and i actually just visited this last week i think it's probably um the courthouse hopkins county in sulfur springs texas okay beautiful okay wow yeah so like i said josh is a fun dude we we have (laughs) we're doing some work together and and we have a great time together so we want to talk to you today about a few different things josh has been at this church for three years and has we've seen some significant growth kind of some some uh, some respark here, some revitalization. So, tell us a little bit about the history of Arcadia First Baptist Church. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, going back to the late '40s, our church is actually a church plant from another church in town. Arcadia and Altaloma are two little towns right next to each other. In the '70s, they joined together to make Santa Fe, which is named after the Santa Fe Railroad. Right. And uh, in the '40s, the the Arcadia community was growing a bit, and so uh, First Baptist Altaloma, little small town decided to start a church, and they started in a barbershop here in town, hmm. uh, which then led them to buying some land and, and building a building. And so I think that was in the 50s. Fast forward, the church just slowly, incrementally grew, maybe in the hundreds, and and by uh, the late 90s and the 200s, so they built a new sanctuary. And then by 2010, they were about 250, running okay. about 250 on average, and they built a uh, kind of a life center with a gym classrooms they started a school so we have a school here and a mother's day out program right uh we are the second biggest employer in town because of the school wow yeah yeah so uh but you know um tragedy has struck our community though in recent years uh we were uh the one of the hardest hit areas of hurricane harvey a lot of our people in our church were uh, devastated in the floods and then shortly after that in may 2018 tragedy struck our community Uh, there was a school shooting And some of our uh, kids here, some of our students in our youth group here Mm -hmm. at this church were uh, around the shooter, knew him well. He actually attended our Mother's Day Out program and and had been a member here for a time. Uh, So the the community has had some really uh, bad stuff in the last few years happen. And uh, and I don't know if that's – I feel like it's drawn people further away from God. And so we have have had an opportunity in the last two or three years to really do some ministry here. Right. You know, we're located about uh, 20-ish – 25 miles south of Houston, yep. where your church is on Highway 6. And um, it's funny because there's not a whole lot out here, yeah. but yet your church has been significantly growing under your leadership, not only in number, but but in strength. Um, and, and we've been, I've worshiped here with you a couple of times, and more about that in, in a few moments. But yep. tell us about the the spiritual growth in that you've seen in the church and the numerical growth you've seen under your leadership. Yeah, so when I uh, first came in, I uh, wanted to first just kind of get to know the culture. So I, I, I um, had, had kind of had a mindset of I want to go in with an evangelistic zeal. Hmm. And I came in just blowing and going, preaching about the gospel, the importance of the gospel, the importance of sharing it. And I think that's caught on. Also, we've had a, our community is growing. Mm-hmm. Since we're on the edge of Houston, right. there are some newer neighborhoods. 
But I think um, the preaching of the gospel, people have been attracted to that. And it's kind of set a new fire in the church. And, mm-hmm. and even some of the older, longer members who are more complacent have caught on fire. And they're going out inviting their neighbors and sharing the gospel. And, and it's kind of exciting, really, anytime you get a new pastor, you know, especially one that's dorky like me and sees courthouses. But <laughs> they are uh, really pumped up about what God's doing. And then I also decided to share stories. So I started with yeah. my story, yep. what God did in my life. Right. I think that spread around like, hey, if God can change this guy's life, hmm. he can do the same for me. Or let me celebrate this life change. And so that really caught on, and, and so I think it's begun to attract people. But also, we've hunted down every single person we can. Any guest that walks through the door, anybody that's connected with our Mother's Day hour, our school, right. we try to chase them down. Yeah. Your school here is significant, and a, a lot of times you don't see that the school really is connected to the church, but in this case it is, and the school has even helped your church to grow. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, the school board is made up of church members. A lot of the church members work at the school, mm-hmm. and a lot of church members send their kids here. My kids are in school here, right. but it's a great opportunity. I mean, any given day, we have 300 people walking through the doors of the church right. that don't know Christ. Lots or, of ministry. Oh, tons of ministry, yeah. 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 So I hang out in the foyer when school lets out so right. I can high-five parents. Right, right. So um, we want to talk to you today about about a few things. First of all, we want to talk about the opening steps of revitalization. Because I know that many of you that are listening, maybe you're a new pastor, you're a new pastor at a new church, and you're wondering, what are some of the opening steps to see God's movement and to see um, kingdom success in a church? We're going to talk about that, but then we're going to end by talking about the attitude of the pastor and how his attitude affects the church. So tell us what you have practiced as opening steps and how you've seen God use those steps to bring revitalization and growth to uh, First Baptist Church. Yeah, absolutely. And I came up with this acronym. I think that's what you call it. Where you acronym, have the letters. Acrostic. Yeah, acrostic, something where you have like the letters and a word for each right, letter. Right. <laughs> and so uh, I, this is a culmination of years of, of experience because I've, I've pastored before and I've failed and leadership I felt as being a pastor in some, in some aspects. And even here, it definitely hasn't been perfect, but coming into this role, I knew the church was dated about 1998 Hmm. choir, choir robes. They took down the little numbers thing on the front of the church where they (laughs) put how many visitors are there. They took that down right as I came in. We had a sign above the sanctuary as you come in. It used to say no cellular devices or pagers. Oh wow. And when I popped it off, it just shattered. It was sold. And so I knew we had a lot of updating to do. And so I so came I guess up with this. You, I guess you left your pager. Y- yeah, I you, left you, my pager car. Yeah, I didn't right. want people buzzing me while I was in church. Uh, so and if you want my pager number, it is so I came up with this um, this little thing called phase. If you can go through the phase, this is the phase of church revitalization. Okay. The first Opening thing, steps. Yep. Yep. These the five four four or five little steps here. The first thing is P is is people. Hmm. Um, when I came in, I knew if there was going to be any change brought to this this church to the culture, I had to know the people. That's right. Without knowing the people, I don't think you can bring change easily. Now, I come from a church in Dallas where I served on staff that was an, an incredibly uh, high tech, mm-hmm. super fast forward to 2021. They were. Uh, cutting edge, and then I come here, and it's it's a completely different world. Sure. Limited resources, limited people. Yeah, I feel like I'm there's cattle literally going down the highway one day, and I was like, <laughs> where am I at? So, I, I wanted to get to know the people. I wanted to hear their stories. Yeah. Uh, hey, what are your stories? What has God done in your life? And I had people tell me, Hey, I had an abortion, but God has forgiven me and saved mm-hmm. me. One lady told me uh, she she got raped, and that's why she has her son. Mm-hmm. I've had older men tell me their stories from Vietnam, mm-hmm. Korea. Uh, and, and what God did to save them after that or during that time, how God preserved their life. 
once I started hearing these stories, I would just take people out to eat. Let's, let's meet for coffee. Mm. Let's go eat lunch. I just wanted to get to know everybody. So I started A through Z through the membership roster. And then once I started hearing the stories, we wanted to share their stories. Right. I think that brought a lot of excitement to the body. I think people realized what was going on. Like I had a lady, uh, even just re- recently, uh, one of our older ladies told me about um, her son who died when he was 30 and she still mm. has grief over it. He was uh, homosexual and he got AIDS. Mm. And uh, But through the ministry of the church, he put faith in Christ before he passed away. Wow. And that was years ago, wow. long before I got Praise here. God. So we celebrate those stories. I just learned as I moved to this community to live where the people live, shop where they shop, eat where they eat, go to the functions so you can see people. Yesterday I was at Walmart. I saw one of our church members that I don't get to talk to a lot just because in passing, I don't, you know, we're, our, our paths don't cross a whole lot. Had a 10 minute conversation with him in Walmart. And, and so, right there, shopping where they shop, I got to mm. connect with a member. And it was a good connection. And I think they walked away from the conversation feeling good, and I did too. I want you to hear that. Shop where they shop, eat where they eat, go where they go. What, what Josh is explaining is exactly how you have your opening steps of revitalization. You get to know the people inside your church, and in doing so, you build credibility. I tell pastors all the time, in your opening steps, just be likable. Just be likable. That's half the game. Love people. Love them well. Get to know them. Spend time with them. So get to know the people in your church, but get to know the people in your community. So that's excellent, Josh. What's the next part of the phase? Yeah, next phase. So people. And then secondly is get to know the history of the church. Hmm. When you get to know the people, you'll begin to know the history of the church. You hear how it started, where it came from, and then you'll understand better why people have hills they're willing to die on. Hmm. And uh, that'll also help you implement those changes once you know the history. But we have something. We started something called Heritage Day. We have a larger, older population, and we started Heritage Day Day in the summer. They were doing uh, grandparents or senior adult day. Hmm. And I thought, man, what if we flip it? Because if you're young, you're sitting in church, you're going to hear of senior adult day, and you're going to go, man, this is just not for <laughs> I'm not me. coming today, yeah. Yeah, so we unless did Unless there's Heritage ice day. cream or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, unless there's ice cream or cake. And those old people can cook, let me tell you. Right. So we did Heritage Day, and we just had one of our senior adult couples get up on the stage. And we mm. did kind of an interview mm. testimony. Yeah. Yep. And man, I'm telling you what, this brought change to our church. There was a, there was a couple last year that got up to share their testimony. And one thing they shared was, hey, when we were younger, we wish, we wish we were more intentional with our kids in sharing the gospel with them and teaching them biblical principles instead of just letting the church do it. Wow. And it was like, as I looked across the audience, it was like every uh, a light bulb went off in all our young couple's mm. heads, mm. and that was powerful. And so there's been moments like that as we celebrate the history of the church right. that I think our young people realize. We're coming up on 75 years, and so I hear these stories of what God has done through the ministry of our church, whether that's in Ecuador or Mexico, mm-hmm. some mission we supported, mm-hmm. something local, we celebrate those things, and it keeps it you know, on the forefront of people's minds. Like, hey, God is using this church and has for 75 years. Right. And one thing we've done is, uh, and I'll tell you one thing, that this is what learning the history of the church has done for me. In my mind, I want to move away from a Sunday school model to more of a small group model to okay. give some autonomy okay. to when the groups meet. And the reason why is it fits our culture. We have shift workers, mm. all kinds of things that, that, that just works better. Uh, so I didn't know this, but since I learned the history of the church coming into the church, I thought this is going to be a five or 10 year plan Mm -hmm. for laying out small groups. But as I got to hearing stories of the people, I heard the history of the church, the groundwork for small groups was already laid. They had already done two small group pilots. Hmm. They had already, uh, done all the homework for small groups. The the previous pastor, the previous, you know, the deacons, the, the previous staff members, and so it made my life a lot easier, and we got it done in a year. We started yeah. with 13 small groups, and we kicked it off. 
So when you learn the history of the church, back up one second. Yep. Because we've talked about this. In the last year, you're telling me during COVID, you've started (laughs) 13 (laughs) new Bible study communities? We have, yeah, 13, which is. is I'm not sure that churches who run. A thousand have started thirteen new Bible study communities. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. There's about four or five family units in each group. Right. And uh, and I tell you, part of that was because the groundwork was laid, and mm. I learned the history. But from learning the history, we were able to uh, do what it took: talk to the right people, have the right conversations, communicate in the right spots to kick off small groups. Right. And we have some of our senior adults have left their Sunday school class that they've been going to for 60 years mm. for a small group. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking with Josh McDonald, the pastor of Arcadia First Baptist Church. So Josh, the celebrating and looking into the history also helps you point towards the future. Uh, I tell pastors that all the time, that if you'll celebrate the past well and celebrate what God has done and remind the people, this is what we're supposed to be like, and then press on into the future. So what's what's the next part of, the, of your right. phase plan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, by the way, speaking of history, just real quick, it hasn't always gone smooth. One day we had an event where we had to use every table and chair in this building. Okay. And when I replaced, when I put the chairs and tables back into the senior adult room, <laughs> I didn't realize that the tables were labeled. Right. And they were set out in a certain layout, and I got chewed out for that. So it doesn't always go smooth. <laughs> right, but right. you learn how to have those conversations right. as they come along. Like all so, that relationship building made it okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, relationship building. So people, history aspirations. Hmm. So when you come into a church, you always have these aspirations. We're going to knock the, the, you know, we're going to go to hell with a fire truck and put right. it out. We're going to win everybody in this community to Jesus. Or you may have aspirations for the church too. You know, I'm going to move it forward with online ministry, or we need to update the nursery. We need to grow and do these things. And so what I did when I first came was I laid out all my aspirations. Hmm. I knew when I first came here, I could, I just walked the building and said, here's the building stuff I want to do. We need to repaint here, repaint the parking lot. We need to fix the nursery. We need to do something with our baptistry, whatever. So I laid all that out. I literally hand wrote it. And then I also wrote down other things. Hey, I want to run this many. I want to have this small groups. Where do I want to be in five years? So I laid out all my aspirations, began praying about those. But something else that I did was I uh, talked to our staff, every staff member. We've had coffee. We've had lunch. Hmm. And I said, what are your aspirations for ministry, for you, for this church? I did that with our deacons. Hmm. All but one deacon have I been able to meet with. And the only reason why I wasn't able to meet with him is he's sick. But I've been able to meet with all our deacons and say, what are your aspirations wow. for our church? Wow. And some of those guys drive me crazy. And some of them have power struggles. Some <laughs> sure. of them, you know, uh, it is what it is. And I'm sure I drive them crazy too. But I wanted to meet and find out what their aspirations are. But I've done that with the people too. What are your goals for our church? Hmm. You know, what do you, what do you want to see in our church? And learning all of those aspirations has helped me, one, have conversations with people. Hmm. Well, here's what I think. Uh, here's what I would like to see done. And then people, it gets the conversation moving. It gets people excited. And also, uh, it has helped me match my aspirations with what God is already doing here in this church. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, so aspirations, so goals. And here's here's something to think about, too. Once you know the people, once you know the history, once you get your goals and aspirations down, mm-hmm. you can then make a good roadmap for bringing change to the culture. And it's a long, slow process. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you know us young pastors, we want to jump in and— and change. We just want to start changing everything instantly, but it's been a long, slow process. I mean, when I first came here, there was a 9-11 flag with, with every name from the people who died in 9-11 hanging on the wall. And I said, hey, how long has this been here? And this is 2020. And they said, oh, since 2001. Right. We took the flag down and the wall was white yeah, behind, behind the yeah, flag. Right. It was yellow yeah. around it. And so <laughs> there have been a few things here and there and, uh, that we've had to change and update. But there hasn't been a whole lot of pushback. And the reason why is because I got to know the people, 
got to know the history. We talked aspirations. Two, communication comes along with that. As you're talking to people about your aspirations, you can share your 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 desires and your goals. And you say, hey, I have a goal to uh, to make our church cutting edge, look cutting edge. Mm-hmm. You know, let's paint walls. Let's cut the grass. Let's put gravel down. Right. It's Sometimes it's those small things. When I'm coaching yep. pastors, I tell them in your opening steps, do non-controversial things that will make your people proud. That's like opening, opening That's steps. That's good. And then the thing after that is to begin to do non-controversial ministry things that will make people proud. And you can quickly turn the culture when people just see the direction and see that things are going well. Yeah. Um, I've, I've worshipped here. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Such a vibrant, loving, encouraging congregation. Uh, Josh has been doing a great job of leading this church. So what's the next part of, the, of your, your cool. phase acrostic or acronym or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just before we jump in there, I want to say this real quick. So we have a we have a library, and this is why it's mm. important to know the history and the people. We have a library, and it's not being used at all. Because I knew the history, I was able to look back at the library. Nobody's checked in in years. Nobody's mm. checked a book out. So I came to the church and said, hey, what if we use the library and change it into a coffee shop, coffee right. house? Right. And it was much easier because I knew the history, I knew the people. But the next one, so we have people, history, aspirations. The S in phase is sermons. Mm. And here's why. This is Sermons are insanely important, and we need to understand this as pastors. What we say from the pulpit matters. Mm. Yesterday I was preaching, uh, or, or the last Sunday I was preaching. I remember I went up to a woman, a visitor in our church, greeted her, and she had tears, tears in her eyes, and she mm. had a notebook, and she had written just one line in the middle of my sermon down. Mm. I don't even know. It was a summation of some scripture. And she said, this changed my life. Wow. And I think even in that moment, I realized how important my sermons are. And so when we preach, we need to continually be working on that. Right. Refine, refine, refine. We need to listen, learn, grow. We mm. need to listen to ourselves. Yes. Preach. We need to listen to other preachers preach. We need to have people listen to us preach. Yep. Here, what I've done is anybody that preaches from our pulpit, we have a run-through team on Thursdays. It's all volunteers. We just select the people from the church of all ages, walks of life. We preach Thursday afternoon. Uh, the run-through team will give them a grade. I do this every week. And so they give a grade, 1 to 100, what's the best? 100 being the best, what's your grade? Sometimes I'll land on a 76 and it's or, or even 65, and it's deserving. And then we sit down after I preach, and we go through the sermon and say, hey, here's why I gave you the grade I did. Now, obviously, you can still preach and do whatever you want to if God's calling you to do that. If he's calling you to use a specific illustration, do it. But this helps us grow in our sermon building. It helps other pre- uh, other preachers who want to preach, helps them grow too. Uh, but uh, this is one way that I, I one tool I use to grow. But Josh, we need- that, that's fen- I have to stop you. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean I, I've been preaching for 30 years. I always— preach my sermon in advance out loud several times, but I have never done, I've had some sermons graded on the fly, but never done that on the pre-work. Where, where did you pick that up? Uh, so at my previous church that I served at in Dallas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth mm-hmm. Metroplex, um, some of the guys there had asked me to speak. It's a larger church, uh, Watermark Community Church. Sure. And so I, uh, yeah, I said, hey, sure, I'll, I'll preach. Uh, and I didn't know that they had a run-through team. And they said, mm-hmm. hey, be there Thursday at 3. And I just thought there's going to be a group of people there. Show up. There's a group of five people. Had to preach in front of them, and they shredded me. And it was well-deserved, and it was amazing because it grew me Man, that is so good. Yeah, oh yeah. So good. They always tell me, I always get the same points. Hey, slow down when you talk. You talk, <laughs> one guy told me, he said, you talk so fast. I get home, eat lunch, I'll go, amen. And, <laughs> so, but slow down, you know, illustrations. Sometimes too, it helps me make sure I'm 
staying within the good sound theological sure. boundaries. But preaching matters so much. I think we need to work very hard at being good at preaching. That's where our voice comes from. We mm. have all our people gathered together one time a week. Right. I don't care how big the church is. If it's 30, 100, 10,000, that's our main time of communicating. Right. So what we say from the pulpit matters. So sermons. So we need to grow in that area. We need to get feedback. I continually study. I read all the time in this area. Um, so, yeah. So, so what's the E? E, e is uh, everybody needs the gospel. Mm. Everybody. <laughs> um, everybody. Every single person needs the gospel, not just the non-believers in our community and not just the guests coming into our church, but our church people need to be reminded of the gospel. That's right. We as pastors need to be reminded of the gospel. We're sinners. We need Jesus, and we need that reminder daily of how good God really is and how much he's forgiven us for. We've heard a lot lot lately people say that um, the gospel is not only what saves you, but the gospel is what sustains you through the end of your race. Oh, that's good. Paul. Paul preached the gospel to Christians. I, I mean, look at his letters. They're written to Christian people. And he says several times, I want to remind you of the gospel. We need it daily. We do. So yep. it's not just for the non-believer. It's very much for the believer. It is, yep. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so when I first came, I asked a few people, hey, do you know what the gospel is? Can you clearly mm. articulate the gospel? And a lot of people couldn't. And so I decided that if our focus is going to be on sharing the gospel, that's kind of one of our main purposes as a church. They need to know the gospel. Mm, So I did a sermon series on the gospel, and I've been preaching it solidly for three years now. At the end of my sermon, I share clearly the gospel, whether it's through an illustration, just scripturally through uh, uh, scriptures. Uh, But I I try to share the gospel and so make sure people know it. And I bring it up a lot in conversations. Every person that walks through our door that wants to join this church, we ask them for their testimony. We share the gospel with them. So we're out sharing the gospel quite a bit. But it's just a reminder of our main purpose and, and what God has done for us. And so everybody needs the gospel. I need that reminder yes. on the daily. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me too. Um, so we're going to start landing this plane here, but there's one more thing I want us to talk about because something fascinating happened. I, I, I used to live just a few miles from here. And so my wife and I uh, came to worship here at this church. And we walked in the front door and we were greeted warmly by a few different folks. No one knew who we were. They didn't know that my role with Texas Baptist, we went and sat down. And we were here about 12 minutes before church started, and two things happened. One, we were greeted by three or four different individuals who just walked by, recognized we were new, and greeted us, said hello to us, had some good conversations. But the other thing was, there was a buzz in in that room. Now, I travel the state, and almost every Sunday I'm in a different church. And I get it that the culture of every church can be a little bit different. Some some are kind of more high church, a little more quiet. Um but here at this church, the buzz beforehand was incredible. And so we were sitting on the front row because um, that's one of the yeah. few places we could find to actually sit. And so I looked around and thought, what is happening? Why is it so loud in here? People were laughing and hugging. And I saw you in the distance. And you were going row by row by row, talking with people, high-fiving people, laughing with people. And I said, this is this is why, because the attitude of the pastor spills into the congregation. So Absolutely. tell us about how your attitude, even your personality, um, is reflected in your church and in what God is doing here. 
Yeah, absolutely. If you eat bluebell coffee ice cream before service, you'll get jacked up on sugar. That's what it is. Uh, no, I, I'm I a genuinely. You, I know you. I don't think you even need the sugar. You're just jacked yeah, up anyways. I'm just jacked up anyways. Yeah, I'm a genuinely uh, happy and smiley guy anyways. But on Sunday morning, it's my main time to connect with people. And I, mm. I love my people. Any church I'm at, I love the people. And I want to get to know them. And so I try to go around and greet people, uh, shake their hand, meet them where they are. And, uh, and, and thank God my wife does the same. But right. you're right. That has flowed over to the people. And I think people want to be noticed, especially during COVID. We're holed up, right. out of yeah. the office. We're at home 24-7. We don't have a whole lot of interaction right now, especially in the last 18 months. So when they come to church, I want them to have some interaction. And I think that flows over, just the excitement. And two, I have this extreme excitement about the gospel, and I yes. think that flows over. But I do what it takes to stay in this mode. If I start falling out of love with the church, mm. then I, I do whatever it takes to get back, whether it's go sitting on the beach for a week right. or picking up a book, going on a retreat, whatever it takes. I try to get in the mode of saying, hey, I need to, I need to continue loving my church. And I tell you what, it's not always easy. I have one-off comments. Somebody recently pulled me aside right before I preached and said, mm. hey, Blah, 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 blah. They kind of chewed me out for one Always thing. Always right before you preach. Always right before I preach. <laughs> Had nothing to do with me. And so I just I, I just keep reminding myself, this is a moment to love and disciple this brother. Mm. Put my arm around him. I said, hey, I love you. Let's pray about this, and we'll get it fixed. Right. And uh, that could have thrown off my whole day. And so there are times when people come in and, and, and want to smash and thrash, or you're just thrown off. I had a visitor recently come and turned my head and kissed me on the cheek and bowed <laughs> before you walked out. Very strange. And I just thought, man, so we're, this good. is the COVID world. You just don't kiss people on the cheek, brother. Uh, but you know what? That kind of threw me off. But I still loved him. <laughs> it, it does say greet each other with a holy kiss, but it doesn't say it just say goodbye with a holy kiss. Not right? literal. Yeah, yeah right, we don't right. want to take that literal. So, <laughs> man, I uh, but I do. I love the people. I love Jesus. But the attitude of the pastor will flow into the church, especially if you've been there for a while, three, four, five years. The longer you're there, the more like the the, the lead you're going to become. It's like my kids. They're going to act like me probably yeah. until they get a little older and they start doing things on their own. They're going to say what I say. They're going to do what I do. And so it's similar to the church. I also have uh, things that I do to make it exciting. I wear really bright shirts, like flowered shirts. <laughs> Let me tell you, the, the, there's not a man in the world that wears more flowery shirts than you do, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Not. I, I've tried. I've, I've competed against you, and I've lost. You've lost. Yeah. 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 So, man, I uh, and I also say things from the pulpit that people catch on to. Right. Like if I say a truth bomb. I'll say something like, hey, right then, you guys should have flipped these pews over and ran out of here. You know, and so I'm known for a few sayings, and I think people watch for those and they listen for those, so it kind of keeps them entertained. Right. Uh, but you have these attributes that are that are glowing. So whatever it is, if, even if you're an introvert, you can still have some of those things. That's I, right. I have a pastor, a friend of mine that pastors in Arlington. He's an extreme introvert. And he, have, he and I have had this conversation a lot of times where— Hey, your church is going to take on your attitude. So you know, you know what he did? He surrounded himself with people hmm. who are not introverts, smart, who do that job for him. Right. And I love that. Right. Yep. So attitude matters. It does. We've been visiting today with Josh McDonald, the pastor of Arcadia First Baptist Church, the yeah. ice cream lover. So tell us on the exit: Is there an ice cream you found? We'll turn the bluebell part off for a second. Yep. Is there an ice? Is there a bluebell ice cream you found that you do not like? Yes. Black walnut. Hmm. It's the only flavor I've okay. tried so far that okay. just I, I just couldn't finish the bowl. And what will the ice cream of choice be tonight? Do you already have it purchased? You, uh, I do. I'm looking for banana pudding. So I'm going to H E B here in a bit. I'm gonna get banana pudding. It just came out. So <laughs> I think it's out. I think it's just a rotating flavor. So yeah. Bluebell. 
you are welcome for all these new customers. Josh, thanks for your time today. We appreciate what you're doing. Tell, tell them where folks can find your, your church. Uh, Arcadia. We are ArcadiaFBC.org on the okay. internets. You okay. can find us on the social medias, Arcadia First Baptist Church, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Or you can come down Highway 6 in Santa Fe, Texas, come on. five miles from the coast as the crow flies. Right. We're right here off the highway. Josh, thanks for your time today. Uh, it's an honor to have you here at Revision. You can hear more uh, episodes of Revision uh, if you go to txb.org backslash healthy church. You can also find it at many different places where you listen to podcasts. Josh, thanks for your time. Have a great day. Enjoy your ice cream tonight and Thank a workout. You. Yep. <laughs>